This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And we're coming back at you after a great week four. We are a quarter of the way through the fantasy season. We are a third, well, more or less, a third of the way through the regular season. Uh, a quarter overall. Most uh, leagues are running about 16 weeks, trying to skip that 17th week where guys might be rested. So how do you feel at this poll market? My team, a little disappointed this week. Tough loss. Um, the NFL, um, we're going to see how they bounce back from this COVID stuff, um, if they keep forging forward or not, um, especially with the Packers having a bye week and them being housed in the number one COVID hotspot in the country. So I guess a lot of just waiting and seeing for me on both aspects. So what I'm really going to be potentially concerned on is any of these guys during their bye week going off and doing really stupid stuff. Um, we already saw the Raiders do a maskless charity event, which got them all fined. It was um, maybe the tipping or just the uh, tip of the iceberg, if you will. And I'm concerned on any of these guys because we're starting bye weeks officially. Not COVID bye weeks uh, like the Titans and the Steelers had a forced one this last weekend. But a, a actual built-in scheduled bye weeks for the Lions and the Packers. And we have them all, all the way till week 11 now. How these guys are going to respond now that they have like some downtime, a little bit of time to rest. Uh, they're going to be away from the facilities. Do these guys stay at home, try and stay safe? And do they monitor it, or are they going to have moments of weakness again? So I, I think it's something to monitor. It's going to be the biggest underlying story that could pop up at any point during the season. We already had one star quarterback go down. Uh, it sounds like he's asymptomatic, so he may be back as early this as this weekend already, but you just never know. And that was only is that the only player we're going to have all season? Probably not, but everything's fluid from a week-to-week basis, and you just try and uh, navigate your way through it. With the amount of injuries we've had and uh, all the other situations, it's going to be a weird year, and I'm just enjoying the ride at the moment. All right. Uh, For those of you that are first-time listeners to the Dynasty Download, we are the show that proves Dynasty League Fantasy Football is the best form there is, and why you should be doing that over any of your other leagues We kick redrafts ass. Uh, If you would like to contact the show, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. That's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. We don't have any listener questions this week, but I will quickly overview my waiver wire pickups. Now, I changed the column this week. Uh, Since this is a Dynasty-focused podcast, I took on a little bit of a different uh, flair. So I redevised the column into best buys, injury ads only, and top handcuffs. So make sure to check out that every Tuesday. Uh, that'll be up on the blog. I will link that in the show notes. And uh, there will be a new article each week to help you navigate the waters of Dynasty League football as we move ahead. 
So uh, let's move off of that and get into the heart of the show. Uh, our normal trade roundup segment. So you kind of told me you had a few big offers either in the offing. Uh, I guess what has been going on with your GM skills this week? I have been trying to get myself a quarterback. But even to start this off, I mean, I offered you a, a blockbuster trade, and we were talking about this before, asking if you would look to move Mahomes. And as you were talking about how everything changes so rapidly, a couple weeks ago you were talking about selling. Um, now you are in overall first place of the league, last undefeated team standing. So I understand your reasoning why you um, did are not trading Pat Mahomes. Uh, but I offered you a lot. Yes, um, you did. I, I I kind of forgot what I what I offered you. It was Joe Burrow a first. So the last offer that was on the table was Joe Burrow, uh, your first three picks in the next two drafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up and getting you, to that you point. You did wasn't meet. It? Yeah. You you did meet the Herschel Walker threshold <laughs> of rather a large haul. And I will be honest. I did give it a lot of thought. It wasn't something I immediately said no to, and that's with knowing I was going to be in first place that my team had such a big weekend. I really had to think about it for a good half an hour in order to really sort it out on my mind. Had this been another week, had my team been maybe one in three, we'd be in a much different situation. But I do, ultimately, the, the whole objective is to win titles. And if you have a legitimate shot, you have to take your best shot at it. Ultimately, I, I don't think it gets much better or much more sure-footed than starting Pat Mahomes, even though he had a bad night last night, fantasy-wise. Um, yeah, and then I offered something up to Derek as well for Dak. And it was this over the past weekend, and he declined it this morning. But it was another big trade where it was like a first to second maybe even a third was involved either this year or next year. Um, and he sat on that for a couple of days as well. I don't know if he was thinking about it or not, um, but he ended up declining that as well with Joe Burrow involved. So um, yeah, I, people are holding on to these top quarterbacks in our league for sure. Cause I, I thought if I was in Derek's shoes, I would have thought long and hard about it. And it's tough to do, you know, it's tough to do. There's maybe only one top quarterback that might be moved in is because of where the team sits right now, but I don't think he's willing to do it just based on my perception, and that's where Russell Wilson is in our particular league. Most other leagues, you would say, with their production level and what they've done so far in this calendar year, that Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Dak Prescott are probably unmovable. Because the Cowboys, that situation is going to be repeatable, and I don't think they have yet to play a division game. They've got two games against the Eagles, against the Washington team, uh, and against the uh, Giants at some point. They're likely to throw the ball a lot, uh, even in those games, even if they're up. So clearly they're not going to run the football. Uh, that, that's been established. That. We're going to talk about that. Well, obviously, I, I wouldn't doubt it, but they're going to be in situations, so at least for this season, I wouldn't expect it. You were more likely to get somebody like um, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, those fringe uh, 
quarterback one starters, not the set it and forget it type, because those have so much value in our league with, we've talked about it before, the quarterback points um, being the way they are, 300 yards being a bonus um, range for just yardage, uh, the uh, point differential in yards being 20 instead of 25 you, you just have an opportunity to pick up five or six more points from that position by comparison to some of the other ones. So a quarterback has a little bit extra emphasis, and if you have one of those top guys, in order to really compete, that is probably where you're going to go, especially because uh, the way the rules are structured, most of the top guys, surprisingly, knock on wood, have not gone down yet. As far as the bigger quarterbacks go, it's probably not going to be something where you're going to hit on one of those guys because they're so valuable. I would probably, in your situation, look for a viable quarterback one range starter, but that's not necessarily one of those uh, set it and forget it guys. That's more within the range of possibility, especially given that Matt Ryan is on a team where Dana's got Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers both playing really well. Um, You might be able to get him, and depending on the week, he's probably going to hit. Uh, you may be able to get Cam Newton away from Derek because he's got Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, you know, a, a, cert- a serviceable type starter. And if Tom Brady continues to put up the numbers, maybe you do a swing deal where um, you don't know when Brady's going to retire. You might be able to get him as a buy low, um, high upside candidate for the rest of the year if he continues to uh, throw like he did this weekend. Um, I'm not sure that's viable. I still have my doubts on Tom Brady, particularly given how bad he was in the first half and how bad that offense was. But your biggest problem is you're seen as a guy that's going to finish probably top four minimum. So that means that for each round, somebody's drafting seventh or later, and that's really affecting where your draft status is. And most of the time you're offering draft picks where, unlike this year, this year was an exception, not the rule. We had so many guys that were talented in a huge wide receiver class. We had so many talented backs to pick up, pick from. I think the first six, or six of the first seven picks were all running backs this year in our rookie draft. I don't think that is the case every year. You usually have that one out of every three years. And in my case, other than Joe Burrow, you weren't offering a lot of tangible assets back that have some value already placed on them. You're offering so much of a future essence that it becomes difficult to project that out. So especially two years from now when I'm not sure where the college class is going to be. I like the class coming in next year. I think there are some exceptional players that could be in the draft, particularly at quarterback. Uh, Because I see Trevor Lawrence, I see Justin Fields, I see the kid out of uh, North Dakota State. Uh, You think about um, the wide receiver, I can't remember his name, out of Purdue. Uh, That could be a a potential star. Uh, There there are a lot of good potential picks early on in that that draft for next season. Uh, You start then thinking about Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Those guys are are potentially uh, stars. So I I think there's value there, but it just depends on what people do. And I don't think most people are going to be willing to jump on draft picks as the primary piece in a trade offer. They're going to want tangible assets. So mostly if if I'm looking at a a trade valuation offer right now, 
you're more likely to get responses where draft picks are supplements, sweeteners, if you will, than if they're the main part of the deal. Just my thought. So I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Um, my valuations, though, by low candidate of the week, I see a lot of guys uh, really starting to doubt his ability. And with the Kansas City offense having uh, two, I guess if you would call it down weeks against the Chargers and the Patriots um, in uh, two of the four first four weeks, they didn't really have a huge game in week one, although this guy did. And he wasn't much of a factor per se against the Ravens when the offense was really humming last week on Monday Night Football. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a definite buy low candidate, especially in Dynasty. I'm thinking much more of the long term. I still love this guy. I know the Chiefs love this guy and that they're going to figure out how to get him best involved. But he has not had enough time to work himself into the offense. And he's not Kareem Hunt. He's not going to be a, a solo back where he's going to get 20 carries a game, but he could get 15 carries and five catches. I mean, that that's much more likely where my thought was is he was going to have a lot more PPR value than he was going to have as being a bell cow back. So if somebody is dumb enough where he's underperformed for the first four weeks and you can buy low on that guy, Given what Kansas City's schedule is uh, for the rest of the year, especially starting this week, uh, now that they've handled Baltimore, they've handled uh, New England, they've only got one more date against the Chargers, but it's at home. Uh, I'm definitely buying Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. My sell-high candidate of the week. It's unfortunate that it is this, because I actually think he's going to do well the rest of the year, but it's a guy that is at peak value right now. It's Joe Mixon. The the simple fact is he had 13 more points than his next highest scoring game since he's been in the league. And I even though the Bengals offense has been productive, he completely broke out in a game where you couldn't trust him to necessarily start if you had other options. He went to the hospital for x-rays of his chest on Saturday. You were worried going into the game, and then he has this huge week. The, the whole point of having a guy like that to begin with that you draft in the first one or two rounds in redraft or that you're stashing long-term as a dynasty option is set it and forget it value. And this guy has been so up and down, so unpredictable over the last couple of years. If you can get somebody to overpay for him, I certainly think it's worth the uh, potential effort. Yeah, I mean, as a Joe Mixon owner, um, he's, he can't, he can be a little frustrating at times, but never to the point where it's like, God, I need to get rid of this mother because, you know, he does give you those games. And then towards the end, um, on seasons, when you're going through a playoff runs, I feel like he's one of those runners that gets stronger as the season goes on. Um, but you do look for a guy um, that you draft that early that it is. It's set it and forget it. You put him in your lineup and you and you leave it alone. And that's what I was doing with him for the first three weeks of the season. And I guess what I did. I took him out of my lineup this week and he put up 40 whatever points on my bench. So it's frustrating. And he he has those games like that. But the Bengals don't really have too many more options on the offense. So he's one of those guys that you just got to sit and be patient with um, unless you can find somebody that wants to put up with the 
the ups and downs that is Joe Mixon. And they're going to have a favorable schedule. They're coming off of having the first overall draft pick. It's not like they're going to be playing all of the world beaters. They're going to have a few uh, games where they're they're in a favorable situations. You don't necessarily like them, uh, the other Browns game that they're going to have, or against the Ravens or the Steelers necessarily, but there are going to be weeks where Joe Mixon is going to be in a favorable matchup, and if he can continue to get uh, as much passing game work as he did this last weekend, it's not like it's a huge amount. He's not Austin Eckler, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but can he be serviceable? He could still be in the top 10 back range on a given week. I have him comfortably inside the top 20 of overall backs. I'm not sure he's a running back one, but where you drafted him potentially, he might be a running back two, and that's okay, especially with how few backs are non-committee. So uh, our newest segments, um, we started it last week, but uh, what I got right, what I got wrong. So let's start with the what I got wrong. Uh, I had the Jaguars as an upset over Cincinnati. Uh, Unfortunately, they didn't come through, but that was a back-and-forth game. I don't feel too terrible about that. The next couple were ones I feel a little worse about. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr., I expected a huge game out of him. The Rams had run him two consecutive weeks, and all of a sudden Malcolm Brown is out-snapping him almost uh, 3-2. to And for what we'd seen out of the Rams... It didn't look like this was going to end up being the It just gives me so much unease as a, a Cam Akers owner for when he comes back of how they're going to rotate these guys and how little you can trust uh, the Rams system of offense moving forward. Uh, I won't spend a ton of time on it. Allen Robinson. I thought he'd have a bad weekend this weekend. I thought he'd get shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. Uh, he has seven catches, 101 yards, and a score. Uh, He is definitely in the stud territory. I think he might be uh, fringe wide receiver one um, right now. And uh, for for owners that draft him, he's a huge value. Uh, Alan Lazard I had on my yay list. He obviously goes out with that injury. I had published that before uh, that core muscle injury was there. And most of his targets ended up going to Jamal Williams and Robert Tanyan last night. So basically, if you can get the number one, number two pass catcher in the Packers offense right now, whomever that might be. Now, they're on a bye week this week, and you would expect Devontae Adams to come back in two weeks. But that's a very valuable position uh, to potentially have. And number five, Terry McLaurin. He was the last name on my um, nay list, uh, and I once again... So Terry McLaurin has had two huge days out of four weeks, and I've had him on the bench in my redraft league for both of them. I am tired of getting that one wrong. I'm just going to leave him in the lineup, even though I have uh, viable options outside of him in Robert Woods and uh, Robbie Anderson, another guy we're going to address later. What I got right, the Panthers beating the Cardinals. I had that one dead on because I thought for whatever reason the Panthers were starting to surge the Cardinals were starting to dip a little bit um I'll take a little bit of credit for that one the next one I have Odell Beckham Jr. to the house I can get used to that the rest of this year damn was that awesome and uh that's the fun Odell coming back uh Another guy we just mentioned a, a second ago, a guy I picked up before the weekend off of waivers, Robert Tanyan, three touchdowns for the Packers this weekend. Uh, I don't think that this is his high watermark of the year. There's no way he's going to top this fantasy point-wise. You you don't get three touchdowns every game. But 
Can he be a viable starter? He's already proven that he's going to be a goal line option. Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball like nobody's business. And clearly the Packers can't run the ball from the one-yard line, so they're going to end up starting to throw to uh, get defenses to soften up. Uh, Devontae Parker was on my yay list for the weekend. He has a nice little weekend, again, against that Seattle defense. Uh, You like the fact that he is by far the number one wide receiver in that Dolphins offense that's clearly going to have to throw a lot. Uh, I still like his potential value. He's wide receiver two, wide receiver three range for me. Uh, Will Fuller, the fifth. Damn, again, if that guy can stay healthy, he puts up points. His stat line already for... Uh, the three weeks that he's actually finished the game or been a part of, he's getting uh, over 15 fantasy points. He has a huge amount of targets week one against the Chiefs. He has a uh, pretty good game last weekend against the Steelers, and he has a big game here against the Vikings. You like the Texans uh, as a uh, offense against some of the matchups that they're going to have. We're going to address the Bill O'Brien situation later, but he is clearly Deshaun Watson's favorite target in that offense. And again, it's health permitting. He is a viable fantasy starter. Uh, I don't, flex only right now, again, based on health. Uh, let's just do the quick league roundup. So let's start with Cops' heroes in the comeback win of the weekend. Beats Shadynasty, Dynasty, pulls him from, from the number one spot and the um, ranks of the unbeaten. 146.9 to 133.2. Dirty Carl uh, bringing up the rear yet again. 75.95 points to 84.9 uh, total points for Rogers Rabbits, who has their worst performance of the of the year and still wins. Uh, Ed Winners, uh, close but no cigar. Unfortunately, he was playing Derek, who had Deck Prescott, who had a huge week yet again. 131.4 to 148.1. Keep trying, Ed. I know you're one and three, but you've had 130 points the last three weeks. Uh, you're clearly doing something right, and your enthusiasm is clearly catching on. It could be a lesson to the other owners who aren't nearly as involved. Uh, Far for Life, uh, unfortunately, loses by just a little over two points to King in the North, 113.6 to 111.45. I was definitely rooting at the end of the game for Todd Gurley to get back in for like a one-yard goal line touchdown, uh, give me a little bit more cushion in that particular division. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't shake itself out, uh, given the amount of beating his chest, um, cockiness that was coming from a particular Ben Brundage last weekend. Uh, I, I would have really enjoyed him eating his words. Uh, he only finishes above three people in the entire league. Unfortunately for him, he was playing one of those three people. Uh, his team really took a dump this weekend, and clearly uh, his quarterback situation needs uh, work. So did I Did I miss any? Bro, shut up. Oh, yes. What, what a difference a week makes. Oh, my goodness. Tom Terrific, who I picked to lose this week against Akron Pros, who was getting back on track, sets the weekly point scoring record for the league, 221.1 to 132.6. Wow. Uh, uh, <clears throat> pat, patting myself on the back a little bit here. Uh, was- I'll take... No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, I know it, was that- an imp- it was an impressive week. I, I know that I've jumped severely into the points lead. I'm the only undefeated team. But 
it's better to be lucky than good. It helps to be both. I know I'm a good player, but I've gotten a lot of luck this year. And I will enjoy it, but it still makes me a little bit nervous that I, I don't think I have as big a juggernaut as my team seems to indicate at the moment. I've had an extraordinarily good luck because going into the weekend, I wasn't sure if either of my starting running backs were going to be healthy. Now they're potentially top 10 options at both positions. Well, I don't know if you've ever like messed around on this website, the dynasty website before, but um, current projections right now have you going 13 and 0. There's no way. Dude, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. That's what the current projections are. Okay, let, let's just <laughs> let's run this scenario for the sake of it. I would have to seriously consider if I ran the table. If I if I ran the table, kept health, you know, knock on wood, um, shake some salt, whatever you want to do to to throw superstition to the wind. If I were to go and run the table, I would seriously have to consider quitting the league because I can never top it. <laughs> it would be 72 Dolphins level impressive. I, I, I just don't know how you could top it. There, there's no possible way. It doesn't happen. There are too many bye weeks. There are injuries. It's just as good a start as you have. I, I Nothing is ever on paper. I've been so close to titles before, and then you get to that ending point and you stumble out of the blocks or something in the championship game. I will count my chickens when they're hatched. Let's this, just say that much. It was the most points scored in a week all time through the entire existence of the league. So congratulations to you, Tom Terrific. And I, by the way, I went back to 2005 before the Dynasty League when this was a redraft league. It was higher than any single point since 2005. Mm. That's 16 years. Let's move out of that, and we'll move into the actual game stuff so people can stop listening to me talk and ask you questions instead. That's what they, the people pay to uh, listen to. All right, Jaguars at Bengals. Uh, this one finishes with a uh, Jaguars loss at the Bengals, 25-33. Uh, to 33. Gardner Minshew throws for 351 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, obviously the story of the day, 151 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, another one through the air. DJ Shark comes back with a vengeance, eight receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. The two questions I have for you, number one, Tyler Boyd's current value, number two, DJ Chark's value. Um, I would say Chark's value is uh, higher than Tyler Boyd's, but I don't hate Tyler Boyd's value at all. Um, his last three weeks, he's at double-digit points, so he's one of those guys that you have to think about putting into your lineup, but I think still think his depends on matchups. With Chark, I feel like you throw him into your lineup, you don't worry about it. He is the guy in Jacksonville when healthy. He's the guy that you go to, um, so if he's one of your top couple receivers on your team, unless you're stacked at receiver, he probably is, you have to have him in your lineup each and every week. I actually would reverse that, and it's really. Not, I think Chark's the more talented player, but I always default to the guy with more volume. And Tyler Boyd has had double-digit targets uh, the last three weeks. Uh, he, he has had, I want to say, double-digit catches at least the last two weeks. So give me the guy in a, any bit of a PPR setting. Um, Chark is a little bit touchdown-dependent, and I know he had eight catches this weekend in a passing offense, but uh, I... 
think they can roll a lot more coverage to him than the Bengals, who clearly have a lot of options at wide receiver. Uh, Browns at Cowboys. Probably the most entertaining game of the weekend by far. Uh, the two questions I have for you. Number one, is Odell Beckham Jr. back? I feel like um, he is more consistent, but to say that he's back, um, I feel like I still need to see a little bit more. So as far as fantasy value, I would say that he's making bigger plays. He clearly looks healthy. He's got that burst. He's got that wiggle. Uh, You like what you're seeing out of him. He's made some very big plays. The problem for me is, again, volume. He's not had a ton of touches right now, so i be more confident i know this was a three touchdown game one of them was on that reverse fluke that they had at the end of the game which it it was a absolutely incredible play by him but i until he gets the volume i'm not sure that i'm placing him in the wide receiver one uh maybe even the wide receiver two category based on what he's done i probably put him in the back half of wide receiver twos right now and uh, it's a wait-and-see type attitude because he still has Baker Mayfield throwing them the ball. Uh, the other question I had from this game, uh, panic for Zeke. Uh, unfortunately, Zeke is still yet to touch the ball, I think, more than uh, 16 times in a, a single game. I might have that wrong. Uh, the Cowboys are clearly throwing a lot of the time because they're having to play catch-up. They have um, uncharacteristically bad starts and then are, are playing catch game. He's not getting a ton of passing game work. He's getting enough to be productive. But from where you potentially drafted him as the number three overall back in fantasy, uh, are you really? Where's your panic level? See, for me, um, Zeke is Zeke, and it's not. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about this Mike McCarthy offense um, and how they involve Zeke in it. Um, in his last two games. He's had a combined 26 carries, just 26 carries, but the receiving has been able to keep him to where he's relevant enough, where so you still have him in his in your lineup every single week. Um, I think he had eight catches last game, so it's enough. Um, but he's not the Zeke that you got last year or the year before that, and I think it has everything to do with the type of play calling. They're doing so much with Dak, and I get it. Dak is amazing. He's great, but the game of football is still so simple. You control the game by controlling the run, and I feel like if you have one of the best running backs in the league, I feel like he should have more carries than that, especially if you paid him. Like, what are you paying him? Why are you keeping him around? Tony Pollard could do exactly what they're asking of Zeke if not involved that much. But Zeke is bigger, he's stronger, he's faster than almost anybody that's out there on that field. And I can't understand why they're not using him better. It's a mystery to me. My panic level is about a 6 or a 7 right now, based on where it's at. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. You like them in more positive game scripts where Zeke might be able to get the ball later if they're ahead in some of those divisional games I mentioned before. But it's certainly disconcerting if you're his owner and what he's done before. You figured you were drafting the most consistent player um, in possibly fantasy other than Christian McCaffrey because Saquon had had some issues up and down and he'd been productive, but he had some health last year and uh, he had some other struggles depending on the week. This was a guy that 
if you're going to draft in the first round, was easily said and forget it, and now he's maybe on the fringe of running back two territory. So it, it's concerning, disconcerting if you wanted him to lead your team. Uh, Saints at Lions. I don't have a ton of fantasy questions for this. Alvin Kamara performed. Uh, Kenny Galladay was okay. The The Lions put up points, but it wasn't like anybody had a, pr- a pretty good day. Uh, you're pretty much out on Marvin Jones and some of these other guys. Um, the Lions running back depth is kind of a jumbled mess, and Michael Thomas wasn't playing. So I guess the only question I have as a fantasy-relevant value out of this is, uh, given the amount that they're still having to throw the ball, and I don't care about air yards, is Drew Brees still a fringe quarterback one ter- starter territory? Nah. Nah. Um, when I think of quarterback one, I kind of think of like you said it and forget it type of a guy. And with Drew Brees, um, he's still so matchup dependent. We've talked about it before. Um, he's averaging like 4.7 yards a, a, an attempt throwing the ball down the field. Um, you know, he hasn't had his number one wide receiver in Michael Thomas, so maybe when he comes back, the answer to this question changes. But as of right now, um, no, and I'm not there with Drew Brees. So let's just do a simple up and down on the set it and forget it quarterbacks, just so we have an understanding of where we're at. Patrick Mahomes, yes or no, set it and forget it. Yep. Dak Prescott. Yep. Josh Allen. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you have Josh Allen, then no. But if you don't, then yes. <laughs> well, I'm just assuming you I know, have this I know. guy by himself. I know. The, I know. I'm just being an ass. You know what I mean? I, I'm fully aware because he was going to come on the show tonight. And except uh, I think it's better he comes on next week when you two are going to head head to head. Oh, That's going to be God, so is fun. Next week, Dana week. Yes, it oh, is. I always get up for Dana week. <laughs> I know you do. And so does he. You guys live for it. It's like nemesis on nemesis. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray rushing. He's on track for a thousand yards rushing right now. So yes. Deshaun Watson. No, not this year. Matthew Stafford. See, now that's a question that he's fringe for me. I'd say that that's where the fringe is for me because Matt Ryan, st- Matt Ryan not last night. Jared um, Goff. He's he's right there on the fringe for me. So you have maybe seven, eight maximum set it and forget it guys. Mm-hmm. So that and in a ten team league, that's not enough for all of the quarterback ones. So there are a couple of guys that are on that fringe category. Um, you might be able to throw in somebody like Gardner Minshew. Um, Joe Burrow might be around that territory. I don't think he's at set it and forget it yet because of. He's still too young, even though he's well, produced. But he plays Baltimore this week, so yeah. Depending on what he does against Baltimore, that's going to be a, a very oh, big litmus test. I truly forget Lamar to Jackson, mention, yeah, the MVP. Lamar Jackson, yeah, yes, he's there. Yeah, all right. Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh, that's a tough one. A couple of years ago, yeah, for sure. And so you know, I, I, you know what, Ben, Ben, I think Ben would be on there for me. With when his wide receivers are healthy. Yes, Ben would be on there for me. I would probably agree with about eight of those guys right now with where they're at. I might throw in Cam Newton with the way he's started the yeah, season. Yeah, you could. Absolutely. And so that's maybe number nine. 
But I think there's a quarterback conversation if you have some of these other guys where it drops off a little bit. I don't think Tom Brady said it and forget it personally. Nope. Nope. Um, so the, you start looking around, and I, Jimmy Garoppolo's not definitely Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles. Oh, hell no. Well, I, these are the starting guys. Carson Wentz is not. <laughs> everything looks like it's. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember. So Russell Wilson is in the phase of his career right now that Aaron Rodgers was about five years ago, where. There's, they've had to pay some of their top guys, so the depth on the team is so bad, and he has to perform at such a high level in order to keep them relevant. I look at that, and I see where the Eagles are at. They've overpaid guys that are now either hurt or not producing, and so Carson Wentz has got to raise his level to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers type, and he's just not able to do it. If you give him a good supporting cast like you did a couple of years ago, then yes, he's a, going to be a productive quarterback in that offense. But everything looks so difficult for him right now just to do very simple plays. Seahawks to Dolphins, uh, do you believe in Chris Carson? You know, the thing with the Seahawks is no matter who they have at running back, they always have a pretty productive running game. You can always bank on the Seattle Seahawks running that back to be pretty productive. Um, Chris Carson coming off of injury, too, which looked pretty disgusting, which was a dirty play and all that other jazz. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been super productive. Um, you could argue that he's a little touchdown dependent. Um, he had he hasn't been over 100 yards rushing yet. Actually, this week was his biggest rushing game with 80 rushing yards, and then super not involved in the passing game. Three nine catches the last three games, so three a game. Um, but he still put up 23 points, 18 points, 21 points, three out of the last four games. So, yeah, he's in there in your lineup, and they're going to give him the ball. That's the thing. They're going to feed him the ball. The Seahawks offense looked um, different for the first time this season, this last weekend. They weren't the lighted-up, throw-it-down-the-field type. And I, I expect a lot of teams to play a lot of deep cover two, cover three shells to try and get them to do longer drives and make them prove it. Uh, so this could be a, a situation where uh, he might be playing against softer boxes. But he's got five touchdowns through four games. He's got two uh, multi-touchdown games. He's got three receiving touchdowns in uh, four games. I do like his potential value. Right now he's going in the top ten. I still... I'm concerned that he stays there, but given the amount of challenges to everybody not named Alvin Kamara or Aaron Jones, um, maybe even Dalvin Cook, uh, you like where his value's been at, at least through the first quarter of the season. Uh, as for the Dolphins, they did get a heroic performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick, but is it two a time? What do you have to lose? It's not like he's learning or sitting behind a legend, a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, Fitzpatrick, he's been around the league. A long time, and I'm sure he knows the tricks of the trade and all that other stuff, but what do you have to lose? Um, if you have a solid plan for Tua and you know he's not ready yet, then that's all good and dandy. But if he's there, he's ready to go, and you're just letting him sit just because you have Fitzmagic in front of him, um, that I don't understand. But that's one of those things where you just got to be like a fly on the wall to know what the coaches are thinking about the whole thing. With the amount of good play from younger quarterbacks and how effortless they seem to come into the league over the last decade or so, I, I don't think there's any 
um, issue I particularly have if he's fully healthy with thinking he could do something different for this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been serviceable, but there's something when you get a young athletic top five pick at quarterback coming in for you. I just wonder if he's healthy enough coming off of uh, the injuries he had coming out of college. Just my thought. And right. if he's if he's not healthy, don't risk him because you're looking for the long term. Uh, the Chargers lose to the Buccaneers 38-31. Uh, Ronald Jones has 111 yards on the ground over 20 carries. Mike Evans with seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Justin Herbert has himself a game again. Yeah. I mean, he he's is looking good. he's he looking really very, good. very talented yep. and polished. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, he was going against the GOAT, Tom Brady, who threw six touchdown passes, only five of them to his own team, uh, mostly in the second half, 369 total yards. What? nothing (laughs) okay so i guess the questions i have remaining uh for this particular game is how valuable is tom brady for the rest of the season um he's still sitting there as one of those guys um for me matchups like we just went through it he's not there for set it and forget it for me um he's starting to figure out the Tampa Bay offense, you can see he's getting he's a lot more comfortable now than he was the first couple weeks, and that just comes with time. Um, but he's still not a quarterback that I'm targeting, I guess, for like trades or anything like that. He's on my team, great, but I'm not looking to go acquire him. He's not throwing the ball to Gronk. Scotty Miller was a question coming into this game with several injuries, and he's going to be playing on a short week. Uh, O.J. Howard caught a touchdown in this game and then blew out his Achilles, and Mike Evans hobbled off the field at the end of the game. I just don't know how much... I I believe in Bruce Arians as a play caller. I'm not sure I believe in Tom Brady without all of the pieces around him to be able to do this. It's why I picked up the Bears, or I'm trying to pick up the Bears defense in my redraft league, because I think on a short week... It could be that uh, Tom Brady throws a couple of pick sixes. He'll probably have some touchdowns sprinkled in there, but I think that's a sneaky bad game for the Buccaneers where they disappoint coming off of that game. And then they have that big game after it against Green Bay. Uh, yeah. He's coming off of their bye week. But I think, too, you got Chris Godwin that's coming back, and honestly, I think he's a better wide receiver for Tom Brady than Mike Evans is anyway, and I talked about this earlier on in the earlier episodes of the of our podcast. Um, but you also have Cameron Brait, too, who's not a bad tight end. Um, he'll take over the receiving work as well. Because, um, yeah, Gronk is just, he's a glorified blocker, you know, now is what he's been doing. Um, but so I still think he'll be able to make it work. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be putting up these mega monster numbers, I guess. From what I've been told, uh, it doesn't look like Godwin's going to be back on the short week. If this was a normal week, he might have a chance, but I, I'm not hopeful on him playing Thursday night. Just what I've gotten the sense of. Ravens at Washington. Uh, this was a interesting game. Uh, the Ravens go on the road. I don't. I think it's what like 50 some miles, not even. Uh, to Washington, win on the road, 31 to 17. Dwayne Askins throws for over 300 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a 50-yard run for a touchdown, only three yards the rest of the game. Terry McLaurin, the beast, 10 catches, 118 yards in a uh, huge thumping against uh, the Ravens. 
the Washington team only loses by 14. But the questions I have, is Lamar Jackson back? I need to see it against a different team. Um, it's a step in the right direction, confidence-wise and you know, stat-wise. But at the end of the day, he did it against a team that has no name. I'd feel more confident, like you said, if, if he was going against another team that um, we have different expectations for. It's an expectations game. But you're still, with where you drafted him, if you're in a redraft or uh, the amount you have invested in him, you're still setting him in your lineup every week. So don't even think about it twice. This right. isn't a time to get cute. Nope. Um, this is the this is winning time, if you will. So uh, the other question I had, Terry McLaurin, is he a wide receiver one? I think he's a wide receiver one for a couple of reasons. One reason is he's really fucking good. Uh, the other reason is they feed him the ball a lot. And the third reason is they're going to be behind a lot, too. So there's going to be a lot of garbage time points, a lot of opportunity for him to get the ball on big plays, meaningless touchdowns. But that doesn't matter in fantasy. You will kind of want the guys that are on teams like that a little bit. So, yeah, I think McLaurin, he's the number one wide receiver uh, fantasy-wise um, moving forward. His volume is going to be high. He's clearly a producer, and he has now done it twice in games that we didn't necessarily expect him to, so he's matchup-proof. I think he's firmly in that um, wide receiver one conversation. Uh, it would depend on who you would deem the guys ahead of him, but I don't think there's a ton of guys that, for the rest of the season, you're going to want too much ahead of him. Uh, all right, Uh Cardinals at Panthers. This is a game we kind of already mentioned on. Panthers win at home 31-21. to Teddy Bridgewater, 276 yards, two touchdowns, one on the ground. Mike Davis with another big game. Robbie Anderson, eight catches for 99 yards, finishes just a yard short of another 100-yard day for him. But he's clearly the number one receiver in that Panthers offense. First question I have for you, is Kyler Murray a locked quarterback one? Yes, I still think he's a locked quarterback one because of his rushing ability. Um, he's on track for a thousand yards, which would be the first player to do it since Mike Vick. Um, the problem with him is, and who did it? No, Lamar Jackson. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. Yep, Lamar Jackson. 1,200 yards just set yep. the record last year. Yes, sorry, sorry. Mike Vick, though. You lo Everyone loves Mike Vick. Um, eh. But the only worry I have with Kyler Murray is, is his passing. Passing yards-wise, he's sitting in between Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones. He's not throwing, he's not chucking the ball down the field, um, just blowing everything up. So that's my concern with Kyler Murray. Um, he'll grow into that, obviously. You know, this is only his second year in the league, but you know, Carson Wentz was a pretty mobile quarterback earlier on in his career, and then he got hurt. Then he had to start relying on his arm. Um, a little bit more, and now he's just on a terrible team with a terrible offensive line. That's my worry with Kyler Murray. If he gets hurt, where he then has is forced to play inside the pocket. Um, he's got weapons, though. I think he can do it, um, but that's just my concern with him right now. But yeah, I still think he's a uh, quarterback one. A lot of people drafted him really, really early, thinking he was going to be the next Lamar Jackson this year. I don't see the scheme fit in the way that they really scheme to fit Lamar Jackson and get him into positions of success in the way that they've uh, structured this offense right now in the run and shoot. Other than force feeding the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, they're not getting a lot of passing game work out of Kenyon Drake. They've done a little bit with uh, Chase Edmonds, but this is a very concerning offense where uh, Christian Kirk has been hurt. 
They have not really had a lot of other guys, and they're basically forcing the ball to Hopkins, so it makes it very easy for defenses to key on. The only thing that's holding him up right now is his rushing value, so I am a little bit concerned. He's on the back end of quarter one, back one status, but that's going to keep his floor high if he does figure it out in the passing game. Uh, next question I had, where do you have Robbie Anderson ranked? You know, as a DJ Moore owner, it pains me to hear that Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver, but he played in this offense in college, so the terminology and everything um, is probably a little bit easier for him. Um, So I think he'll probably keep this going, at least for the foreseeable foreseeable future. Um, Where do I have him ranked, though? He still just... The thing with Anderson is... His past, um, you know, with the Jets, um, he was so boomer bust. And so I still kind of carry that with him now because I don't trust his quarterback. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater to break games open. He's more of a game manager. Um, So I would have him still kind of back end wide receiver two, middle wide receiver two, back end wide receiver two territory for Robbie Anderson. I think that's fair. I think you've baked in some of the doubts that we still have about him and about this offense. I'm a little bit more of a high upside with the volume that he's received so far and the yards. He isn't getting a a ton of touchdowns, so that is a little bit concerning. So I can't put him in the wide receiver one category, but somewhere in the wide receiver two, probably mid wide receiver two is about where his value is at. He's a valuable asset that you can basically put into your lineup and have been, at least for the first four weeks, gotten really good value for. So I can't really um, argue too much with that. Vikings and Texans, is this Vikings offense rounding into form after uh, they get a 31-23 to win on the road at the Texans? Delvin Cook goes for 130 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, eight catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson gets five catches for over 100 yards. Absolutely, I think it is, and I think it has everything to do with Delvin Cook, them starting out with the run. Last game, he had 27 rushing attempts. The game before that, he had 22. Um, With a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, I feel like he's a play-action style of quarterback. So if you fear the run playing against Minnesota, then that's going to open up the passing game for the Justin Jefferson types, for the Adam Thielen types. And then it also takes a lot of pressure off for Kirk Cousins because he doesn't have to win the game. He doesn't have to. He just has to manage it, hit the open, go through his progressions, hit the open guy quickly, and then keep just walking down the field. So I think Dalvin Cook has a lot to do with the success and the offense coming together over the last two weeks. Uh, This is a very similar situation to what we had last year where they were not balanced they were running too much to start the season last year, um, basically to overemphasize what the Vikings wanted to do. And then once they figured out how to balance the two out, they started to click a little bit more on offense. Delvin Cook is leading the league in rushing. He's clearly a talented player. He's been a huge fantasy commodity now that he's gotten uh, his contract Uh, I still am concerned about his injury history, um, given that I don't think he's played all 16 games at all uh, during his career, and he didn't play all, what, 13 or 14 games at Florida State during any of his years there. So there is a little bit of that baked in, but it's really good to see how this offense has started to flourish now that Justin Jefferson has been the other guy, and that they've been 
at least somewhat fantasy relevant between the two of them sharing it. Maybe it'll be one week it'll be uh, Thielen, one week it'll be Jefferson. Um, you like their matchup going into next week against Seattle on uh, Sunday Night Football. I do think that might be an entertaining game uh, that's back and forth. Uh, I don't believe in uh, starting Kirk Cousins or even necessarily having him unless it's a spot start. Um, if you have like Aaron Rodgers on a bye, he might be worth a start against the Seahawks with the way things are going, and that could end up being a shootout. But there are fantasy options from this Vikings offense. It's encouraging uh, what they've done the last couple of weeks after like two really bad starts to the year. Uh, the other question I had... How does the Bill O'Brien firing affect the rest of the season? So if you are not aware, uh, after this game, the Texans are 0-4. Frankly, I think they should have won this game um, or at least been tied uh, late in the game. Will Fuller has a catch, as far as I'm concerned, in the end zone. I thought he had control of it with a knee in bounds. They called it a touchdown on the field. They overturned it at the end. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. It was on fourth down, so the Texans turned the ball over. But this is a situation where um, they're 0-4. They played some very tough teams until Minnesota, and I wonder. We've been very critical of Bill O'Brien as a GM. I think he's been a decent or above average coach, but ultimately his decisions as a GM caught up to him and the team is lacking energy and enthusiasm going forward. I guess I don't know yet who's going to take over as the interim coach. I don't know who's going to be the play caller, but I, and so I really don't know how this is going to affect the rest of the season, but do you see it changing or, um, giving a little extra energy or boost to any of the Texans for a fantasy value. Uh, Romeo Cornell is taking over as the interim coach. Um, Makes sense. That being said, I think it's going to be a lot of unpredictability. Um, you're not going to know week to week what's going to be happening um, because it's going to be, and they're going to keep kind of the same type of offense and everything like that, but you don't really know. There's a new head. You know, you don't really know. So for a little bit, for a couple of weeks, I'm going to stay off of all Texans players um, unless you have the big ones, like the big three, um, the Watsons, the Will Fullers, and the Johnsons of the world, because they're going to get theirs whether you like it or not. Um, But the Randall Cobbs of the world, if you have him or not, um, those types of players. Jordan Akins. No. Those are those types of players you're going to want to have to just you're just going to want to wait and see for a couple of weeks to see what type of run they're going to get. And I do look to see if this I guess the number one area I would um, wonder about whether it changes is how they use David Johnson. That's just my one thing. I they could use him less. They could use him more. They could use him the same. It's just. I, I think that's the most fluid of those other situations. Deshaun Watson's still a talented quarterback who can run the ball with his legs um, and uh, create magic sometimes when he needs to. He's still an effective thrower of the football, and if Will Fuller's healthy, he's proven he can be a very um, valuable asset. It's just a matter of uh, what they do with David Johnson and who's pl- calling the plays from here on out. Giants at Rams, this was an underwhelming game. 17-9, the Rams get a late touchdown uh, on a big play to Cooper Cup down the seam. Uh, otherwise, the Giants kind of hung tough in this particular game. 
Jared Goff only throws for 200 yards and one score. The aforementioned uh, touchdown to Cooper Cup. Uh, the For a game that we assumed the Rams would win comfortably, is there a concern level for the Rams' offense? Absolutely. They are in the bottom half of the league in every single major offensive category. Passing, rushing, receiving, all of that fun stuff. They're in the bottom half of the league. Probably bottom fourth of the league. With the head coach that they have and the reason why he was hired and all that other nonsense, um, you would think and you'd expect that they would have just blown out this Giants team, and they didn't. So, yeah, I'm really concerned. Um, You don't know who the running back is in that backfield. Jared Goff has been pretty decent. Um, You know, he's probably the lone bright spot on that offense because he is – at the top half of the NFL in passing yards. Um, But just as a team, they have not been very good offensively. They've shelled out a lot of money to uh, wide receivers, to Jared Goff, to some of their linemen. You would think that you'd be getting more production. And let's not forget this. They're a bad call on a pass interference away from beating the Bills in Week 3 and being undefeated. And... Where this team sits, the fact that they've had home games against the Giants and the Cowboys and scored 20 and 17 points is concerning. You would have thought that they had broken out of their funk, if you would, if you could call it that, against the Bills when they went across country last week. But And given how the Giants had just gotten destroyed by the 49ers. But they're still going to have some very tough games coming up. And I wonder when they get into some of the meat of their division schedule, how that's going to end up being. Uh, The Cardinals don't necessarily scare me as a defense. Obviously, Seattle's last in just basically total defense, so maybe those will be positive matchups that end up being shootouts. And they always do show up for division-level games, but I wonder if this team's more of a paper tiger than a legitimate contender. Uh, Bills at Raiders. The Bills pull off the win, 30-23. to The Raiders get a late touchdown to even get it to that. Derek Carr continues actually a fairly good year so far for him, even if it's not for the Raiders overall. 311 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Allen temporarily leaves this game and giving um, Josh Allen owners uh, heart palpitations. But Stephon Diggs, six catches, 115 yards. He's continuing to be the huge breakout of this uh Bills team. Josh Allen, a locked starter? You uh, skipped Colts Bears, um, but yeah, I'll answer. Um, Josh Allen for sure is a locked starter. Do you watch the football leave his hand? I mean, he is, he might have the strongest arm in the entire NFL. He's up there with Pat Mahomes. Watching him throw a football is actually something really, really fun to see. So yeah, I think as of right now, You've seen enough games. You've seen Stefan Diggs. You've seen this Bills offense for a month now. Yes, he is a locked-in starter every single week unless he's on by. Given the amount of volume carries and after that week one, Josh Jacobs has not performed the last three weeks as a, a viable fantasy starter. He's been okay. He's been flex territory. But as a running back one, running back two that you potentially drafted him, is there a big concern for Josh Jacobs? For me, absolutely. Um, He was supposed to be the guy that broke out this year, right? He was supposed to be entering into that top little tier 
with all the other running backs. Josh Jacobs has no 100-yard rushing games so far this season, and he has no games where he has exceeded more than four catches. Um, That's puzzling to me. Um, It truly is puzzling to me because your top wide receiver uh, that you have is arguably, arguably is a rookie. You know, the other guy is Hunter Renfro, who just plays primarily in the side. And then you have Darren Waller. Um, But I'm just surprised he's not more involved offensively. So I know that the Chiefs gave up 100 yards on the ground last night to Damian Harris. They also gave up uh, quite a few yards to David Johnson in, in week one. But here are the next several games for the Raiders. At the Chiefs versus the Buccaneers, by far the best run defense in football. The Browns, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Chiefs again. You get a reprieve from the Falcons and the Jets, but then you start the playoffs with the Colts and the Chargers and the Dolphins to finish up your championship game. I'd be a little concerned. Uh, I drafted Josh Jacobs in my redraft league. Uh, He was paired along with Nick Chubb. I'm not sitting pretty right now. I'm sitting very, very concerned, and I think that uh, the Raiders are going to really have to adjust what they're doing. I know they've had a lot of injuries, particularly at the wide receiver position, so they're not as dynamic, but Derek Carr's having a good year, and they still can't uh, run the football with as much volume as they've given to Josh Jacobs. So that is definitely concerning. I still love the volume, but they're going to have some bad matchups here, and that, that is disconcerting to say the least. Eagles win a thriller on Sunday Night Football. Oh, excuse me. I should back up and do the Colts and the Bears. So the Colts win at uh, Chicago 19-11, to one of the weirdest scores in football you will ever see. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 17 carries for 68 yards, is the leading rusher in the game. And the aforementioned Allen Robinson, 7 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. So the question I have to lead this one off, question one. Is Allen Robinson a wide receiver one? Um, he's sitting there. Um, and I think the addition to Nick Foles most definitely helps his case, but I need to see more out of him and more consistently to say fati- or definitively that he is a wide receiver one. Uh, for example, for much of the second half of uh, the game, he was sitting with three catches and 32 yards. Then he had that big um, touchdown, a 16-yard uh, score Uh, which was a beautiful catch over the top of the defender. Um, And then he started getting peppered um, with garbage time points, which is fine. You know, I just talked about that before, how sometimes you want to have some of those players on your team. I think it gets better with Nick Foles as they work more and more together. Obviously, this was their first full game together. And Allen Robinson, if there's one player in the entire league that's made a living off of playing with awful quarterbacks, it is Allen fucking Robinson. He had Blake Bortles for all those years, and I think he went to a Pro Bowl. He Was he an All-Pro? He might have been an All-Pro, but he went to a Pro Bowl that year. He had a really, really good year. Then he hurt his knee, um, and then he's had a couple really, really good years with Mitchell Trubisky, too. Um, last year, he had an underrated year. Um, Allen Robinson is one of, one of the young stars in the NFL at wide receiver. I need to see more of him with Nick Folzo to say that he is a wide receiver one. But he's sitting there on the edge for me. I think he's a wide receiver one only from the standpoint of maybe past the first five guys as wide receivers um, for for guys as far as points. 
he's definitely in that category. Uh, you start thinking about it, past Stephon Diggs, um, past DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, Michael Thomas when he gets back, maybe, um, depending on what level he's at, Mike Evans. And then you start looking at Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. He's starting to be in that range uh, of guys where I could have him ranked somewhere between maybe 8 and 15. So that makes him a fringe wide receiver one. But that's a strong wide receiver two if that's your wide receiver two. Uh, So let's jump back to that Eagles 49ers game. Eagles win at uh, San Francisco 25 to 20 in an actually entertaining game, even if uh, the Eagles are like they make everything. Some teams are effortless. This is clearly the most effort to get whatever they can out of, out of these games. Uh, they had a tie last week against Cincinnati. They win the game here. They are actually leading the NFC East at 1-2-1. One, and one. Hard to say, but uh, Nick Mullins gets pulled in this game uh, for uh, C.J. Beathard. Um, Wentz throws a beautiful pass down the sideline at the end of the game in order to win it. But the real big story of this game, George Kittle in his return, 15 catches, 183 yards, and a score. I guess, are there any bright spots for this Eagles offense right now? If I'm the Eagles, I'm decently happy with how Carson Wentz responded. I think he started off the first drive throwing an interception, um, but he was fearless. Um, playing against a very tough uh, San Francisco defense, still had seven uh, rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown, um, just under 200 yards passing. Um, he's still not the Carson Wentz of old, though, and I think a lot of that has to do with the dysfunction that they have all over that field. And, again, just a, just like last year, he doesn't have any of his top receiving targets, and he's no Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's tough to do when you don't have your top guys to be able to make a tight end, for example, that no one's ever heard of two weeks ago, um, have three touchdowns in the game. You know, he's not that type of a quarterback. Um, so I think for me, um, seeing um, Carson Wentz bounce back a little bit, that was a little exciting. Um, but you have to be, too, you have to be concerned maybe a little bit if you are a Miles Sanders owner. Um, he did not have a great game. And he wasn't super involved in the passing game as well. The 49ers defense is still tough, even if they're missing a few defensive linemen and some key guys in in a few different spots. They're not a pushover. They still did score 25 points, but I really don't know how. They looked awful for most of the game. So this is an offense I'm staying away from from fantasy value, save for Miles Sanders. Uh, After his huge breakout performance... Uh, coming back from injury, where do you currently have George Kittle among tight ends? There's nobody better. That was that, That's quick and easy and to the point. There is no better tight end in the league right now than George Kittle. This is the type of stuff that I remember that year that he set the uh, tight end uh, receiving record with, like, I want to say he had, like, 1,700 yards, some ridiculous number. And he wasn't setting the, li- the world on fire from touchdowns, but he seems to play better as the check down option for mm-hmm. a lot of these backup quarterbacks. I only wish Jimmy G threw him the ball nearly as much, but that does give, now that they have Debo, 
Now that they have uh, Ick in the lineup, they have Kittle, they're going to get back some of their other guys. That offense actually could be explosive. So moving into the second half, and I know that they've uh, lost a couple of games, but you have to like that their team uh, is well-coached and probably is going to make a a pretty successful run at making the playoffs in a seven-team format. They're not as formidable as they were last year, and I didn't think that defense would be as fierce, but they're still going to be a very good team that you're going to have to um, really play hard against in order to to beat them, especially at their place. Patriots at Chiefs. Obviously, we had the camless Patriots last night. Are you worried about anything you saw from the Patriots? No. I mean, you don't have your quarterback. You throw everything out the window, wait for him to come back, and you move forward. Here's the thing. Cam was diagnosed on Saturday. The team was um, pushed out of the facility. There was no practice time. You got literally no practices as the starter for Brian Hoyer or Jarrett Stidham. And you're probably going to have Cam back next week where the offense was much more dynamic. And the Patriots were in this game. They were able to run the football effectively. Clearly, they are going to have issues throwing the football to anybody right now. But... They were at least effectively in the game. You're encouraged by what they did on defense against Pat Mahomes, but, I mean, they've still got Bill Belichick back there calling the or basically being the um, defensive mastermind. I'm not too worried about that unit. I guess the bigger question for me is, is their concern about the Chiefs' offense when they're not playing one of the top-tier guys? They seem to sometimes play down to their competition. Is that concerning to you as a fantasy asset? I mean, if you're going to use the this Patriots game as the litmus test, then no. I mean, you said it yourself. With the coach on the other sideline, he makes it. He's going to make it different, difficult, no matter how good you are. And I'm sorry, the Chiefs sometimes make it look too freaking easy. Like you're playing on beginner and and in a game of Madden. Um, so they're going to have some tough days. That's, that's just how it works. Um, so no, I'm not concerned about the chiefs offense at all. They're the best offense in the, the entire league. And I deal with whatever, if they lay an egg, I deal with it. I move on and then wait for them to score 150 the next week. They are very much a momentum style offense. You can bottle them up for certain periods of time. You're never going to completely contain them. And we saw that during the Super Bowl. We saw that during that game against the Texans last year where they were down, like, what was it, 21 points and ended up scoring, like, the next 49 or something like that. Well, Some ridiculous against, the, number. against the Titans, too, in the playoffs. So I, I'm not concerned that this offense has such quick strike capability and can roll it against some of the best competition in football that they can really put up points on you quickly. Uh, with clearly what I think is the best quarterback uh, I've probably seen as far as talent level. So, no, I'm not I'm not particularly concerned. This is a byproduct. Uh, Pat Mahomes' worst three statistical games have all come, come against the Patriots. It's just a bad matchup for him, and they still won the game. So, Falcons at Packers is the last one. The uh, Falcons lose uh, 30-16 to in Green Bay. It really past maybe the first quarter, didn't feel like the Falcons were really in it. Um, even on that 120-play drive, they drive they kicked the field goal. Uh, they went for it three times on fourth down. I really never felt 
um, a terrible amount of pressure as a Packers fan from anything the Falcons were doing. Calvin Ridley clearly looked hobbled. Um, you have to be concerned about Julio Jones's health status because uh, it seems like he re-injured that hamstring again, and that, that's got to be worrying for you moving forward. Uh, so I, I don't know what the status of the Falcons wide receivers are going to be, but the Packers are rolling, and it literally does not matter how many guys they're apparently missing because they're just going to continue to eat you up. They have guys that uh, most people that don't live in Wisconsin and eat, sleep, and breathe cheese have never heard of with combinations of letters that came out of a Scrabble box. Number one, are you buying on Robert Tanyan? And number two, what's your level of concern for the Falcons wide receivers from a fantasy perspective? As great of a game as Tanyan has had, and he's leading the league and or leading the league for tight ends and touchdowns. Um, I'm not going to start trading the farm for him. No, um, but you know, because Devontae Adams was out, Adam Lazard was, uh, Alan Lazard was out. Um, so touchdowns are going to go to them. You know, they're still going to, when they come back, they're going to be the primary options. You're going to have Aaron Jones as well. That's going to um, still keep his fair share. Um, but I like what I see. I think for the first time in a while, and I'm not going to put him on Jermichael Finley's level because I don't think he's that good, but I think it's for the first time in a while, the Packers have had a productive tight end, one that you actually, other teams are going to know about coming in because they're going to be on their scouting paper. Like, hey, you know, we still got to worry about this guy, you know, um, keep an eye on him, you know. Um, but no, I, I'm not there yet where I'm going to start making drastic moves to try to try to acquire him. If he's on waiver wire for some odd reason and you have a chance to get him, grab him because that'd be great to have. But um, I'm not going to be trading assets for him. Um, I doubt there are going to be a ton of people that are picking him up this weekend with him going on a bye, but he's clearly going to be a red zone target for this team on a high scoring, I think still the highest scoring offense in football. So I think there is something to be said on that. Uh, I just worry about uh, how much volume he's going to get outside of that, like you said, um, for for this team once Devontae Adams comes back, Lazard, MVS, uh, how much they're throwing to the backs. He had a lot of volume last night, and there's no way he's going to get uh, three touchdowns in a game again. So, But he's clearly a red zone target. He's a guy that, uh, with how thin the tight end position has been so far this year, is a guy that you could probably rely on as a potential starter. Uh, so it's a guy that I would pick up, but not necessarily, unless you have the space on your bench, especially in a redraft league, that I'd be high on picking up necessarily for this week. Maybe you can um, strategically stash him because he's going to be on a buy, but he's not going to be a usable fantasy starter right in the immediate term. So I th that covers all the games for this week. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back again later this week to break everything uh, down for you upcoming for week five. Um, make sure that you've set your lineups for this Thursday night game that we've already hinted at, uh, Tampa Bay and Chicago. Um, there's obviously fantasy implications all over the field there. So we will be back at you 
during or uh, sometime around that game to preview either that game or at minimum the rest of the week five action. But until then, wear a fucking mask and we'll see you soon. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.